You're listening to Good Shepherd Brentwood's Sermon Feed. Today's sermon was preached by Father Fred Schmidt and recorded on the second Sunday after the Epiphany, January 15th, 2023. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always and everywhere acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Today, we begin a sermon series entitled, The Creed, I Believe, based upon the Nicene Creed, which was adopted in 325 AD. The word creed is based upon the Latin word credo, which means I believe. And it has been at the heart of Christian worship and self-understanding now for centuries. But it is not just a statement of abstract beliefs. It is a series of convictions that can be understood by living out their implications. And it's our hope that this series will help you to live into those life-giving truths. This morning, what I'm going to focus on are the opening lines of the creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And I'm going to focus on the role of God as creator. It's a little bit like the old uh, doctoral question, define universe and give three examples. But I will ask you to be a bit patient with me and we'll see if we can make sense of it. In the ancient world, the question of whether God in some form had created the world was never at issue. In fact, before the Greeks came along, the creation of matter wasn't so much the issue for ancient people as was the way in which it was ordered and shaped. That said, the role of the divine was never in doubt. The real debate between cultures was the question about whose deity got credit for creation. It is not surprising then that the first chapter of Genesis does not provide a proof for the existence of God, which was no question at all, nor should it be read as if it were an engineering report on what God did and when. Writing in a world where the gods of other cultures were associated with features of creation, its forces, its objects, the writer of Genesis is reminding his readers that their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, made the gods of other religions. Read as such then in chapter 1 of Genesis, what the writer is saying is, on the first day, my God created your God and your God and your God. And on the second day, my God created your God and your God and your God. And so forth through the six days of creation before God rests. And the message of Genesis 1 is your gods are not gods. If Christians let alone others, 
were clear about what Genesis is and is not saying, we could avoid a number of misplaced, if not silly, debates over the creation narratives. No, Genesis is not claiming that the world and the universe were made in seven days, no matter how you define the word day. No, believing that God created the world does not preclude the Big Bang, which, by the way, was a theory developed by a Christian monk. It does not preclude a belief in evolution, which was developed by a theist. It doesn't preclude a belief in a solar system with the sun at its center, which was also established by a lay leader in the Catholic Church. And it does not preclude believing in a round world, which people have believed since roughly 500 BC. It would also, if we understood Genesis, keep people from insisting that science take the place of religion. Science is a powerful descriptive tool and it can make judgments about things that exist, patterns, shapes, interactions, the makeup of the world. But what science cannot do is explain why anything at all exists. And when it does, science makes assertions that are every bit as much an exercise of faith as those of us who believe in God. What Genesis affirms are three truths. God is the creator. The natural order is his work and reflects his character. And that creation is good, but it is not God. Now, these three assertions would have been important all on their own. But the implications of those beliefs are wide-ranging, and that is why they are echoed at the beginning of the Nicene Creed. And they are there for a number of good reasons. For one thing, they inoculate us against the dangerous assumption that we are, in fact, our own gods. Now, on the face of that, it seems like a silly assumption. Gods don't get COVID. Gods don't go to the hospital. Gods don't end up in the cemetery. But we still persist in acting like we are gods. We lord it over our neighbors. We argue that we can conduct our lives without the help of others. We are convinced that we can craft our own identity. And more than one occasion, we have thought that we can or could put an end to war, poverty, slavery, murder, and mayhem. And we are convinced that somehow our technology is the same thing as wisdom. Dorothy Sayers made an allusion to this tendency decades ago. She said that the world subscribes to the creed of Saint Euthanasia. Listen to how she describes it. I believe in man, maker of himself and of all science, and in myself, his manifestation and captain of my psyche, 
and that I should not suffer anything painful or unpleasant. And in a vague, evolving deity, the future begotten child of man, conceived by the spirit of progress, born of emergent variants, who shall kick down the ladder by which he rose and tell history to go to hell, who shall someday take off from earth and be jet propelled into the heavens and sit exalted above all worlds, man the master almighty. And I believe in the spirit of progress, in a modern administrative state, in the isolation of saints, the treatment of complexes, joy through health, and destruction of the body by cremation with music while it burns, and then I've had it. By contrast, the Nicene Creed reminds us that this is dangerous hubris. To acknowledge that God is creator does not mean that we should not work for the well-being of our neighbors and the world. I will come back to that in a moment. But it does mean that if we think that we are free to do what we want to do and that we are masters of our own destiny, then our lives will end in tragedy. And this doesn't just happen on a big societal scale. It happens daily in personal lives as well. That's a hard, hard lesson to learn over 20, 30, 40, or 50 years. And the church offers the wisdom that we are not our own masters up front in the creed at our baptism. But the description of God as creator is not just at the beginning of the Nicene Creed to remind us that we are not God. It is there to remind us as well that God as creator has expectations and desires for his creation that he will see fulfilled whether we cooperate or not. Desires and hopes for our fellow human beings and desires and hopes for creation as well. And these again are convictions that are as old as the book of Genesis. But they have revolutionized the way that the West sees creation and other people. One, the story of Adam and Eve, which need not be historical to be true, underlines the fact that regardless of sex, race, nationality, age, social status, or the state of our minds and bodies, we are all made in the image of God. Our Declaration of Independence suggests that this is self-evident, but it is not, and it never has been. Even in this century, 40 million people remain enslaved. Even in this century, nearly 10,000 people have died in the war of Ukraine or have been wounded or missing. The creed simply teaches us that left to our own devices, this is the behavior that exists and this is the way that we treat one another. And it obliges us to oppose that kind of behavior and it obligates us 
to do far better in our lives. Our moral duty is not just to avoid such soul-destroying behavior. Our duty is to act in a way that honors and guides people into a life that helps them to realize that they too have been made in the image of God. Now that may sound like a grand and abstract goal, but it is not. If you think about your daily life, if you think about even the last week, I am sure that you can remember moments when, thanks to others, you were encouraged, felt the love of God, and found hope. I'm sure you can also remember moments when you were angry, depressed, or felt isolated by the way that you were treated. Small encounters, a handful of words, a loving gesture, these are the things that can make the presence of God real to people in our world. And behavior that is demeaning and abusive has the opposite effect. And that layer of care and attention extends not just to other human beings, it extends to creation as a whole. Not because the earth is made in the image of God, but because the earth is God's good gift. And we have a profound responsibility for it. Some people shy away from the language of Genesis, fearing that what it does is authorize plundering the natural world and using it up for our own ends. But nothing could be further from the truth. The language and images of Genesis are one of stewardship. We are not the rulers of creation. We are God's vice regents. And vice regents are not empowered to do whatever they want to do. Vice regents act on the king's behalf and can only behave as the king would behave. Here, too, we have opportunities nearly every day. We can honor creation by the way that we use resources, simply, among other things, by avoiding waste. We can recapture the inspiration of work that sees the craftsman as someone who works creatively out of the gifts that God has given them. We can see raising and curing animals as a part of God's gift of stewardship over creation. Gardeners share in some of the oldest of human undertakings. Builders participate in the work of Joseph and Jesus. Singers and musicians participate in a craft that is older than the Psalms. Engineers amplify dynamics of nature to shelter and protect us. And one of the greatest responsibilities that any of us can actually inherit is the challenge and the gift of rearing children and raising them in the faith that reminds them that they have been made in the image of God. The life long partnerships between generations should engage us all, whether we care for our own children or provide mentorship for the children of others. 
Hear me clearly this morning. Clergy are not the only people with a vocation in the kingdom of God. We all have a vocation and we are all deeply dependent upon God's will for us as the body of Christ. Together we are called upon to honor God's care and love for us as creator. And my prayer for you this day is that you will live in the light of that God who is both Father and Creator, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in hearing our sermons in real time, you can check us out at our website, www.goodshepherdbrentwood.org or attend online during our 1015 Sunday live stream on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Good Shepherd Brentwood. If you have any questions or comments, or maybe you'd like to meet with one of our clergy, you can email us at office at goodshepherdbrentwood.org. Or if you're interested in visiting in person, or have questions about our programs and services, you can text 615-637-3738, where you'll be contacted by our staff. We'd love to meet you.